0: And this was a a solid double, right? But Taylor, where are you at? Taylor, home run. Thank you for serving us with, with Church News. Oh, where are my members at? Any members in the house? Who's excited for our preliminary membership meeting today, or members meeting? I know, you're all fired up about it. Um, just as a reminder, as, as soon as service is over, we're just gonna have you stay here, and we'll dismiss you. It'll only be a few minutes to kind of get the information for budget, leadership, and some other, you know, important voting measures in your hands. And so just after service, immediately just stick around, and, uh, and we'll get that out of there right away. So, hey, I'd like to open with a scripture from uh, Psalm 111, and also something we heard last week from Hebrews 13. It's a bit of Bible. So if you, if you hear best, by watching or reading, then do so. If you hear best by closing your eyes and just listening. It's not just about listening, it's about hearing today, okay? So you do what is best for you to, to receive the word of the Lord. It says this, Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good, and all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true, to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever, for this world is not our permanent home we are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, welcome back, everyone. A special welcome to whoever's joining us online. I know that Man, when it rains, it pours literally in our house. We've had, like, rain coming into our house for the past two weeks. And alongside that, there's sniffles and coughs and sore throats. And so I know that that there are things that keep people home. But it's so great to see God's house filled today. And so, so happy that you're here joining us in person. If you don't know me, my name is David, and I'm one of your pastors here. But just really thrilled to be reading from the scriptures today. So, you ready to hear from God today in his word? Okay, let me correct that. Are you ready to hear from God's Word today? Not necessarily my mouth is the Word of the Lord, but here we go. All right, so we're on week two of four, talking about the good life that God has for us in worship. And quick recap, last week we we started by defining some terms because while we all might have a, a loose understanding of what worship is, there's so much more, what we realize, there's so much more just beneath the surface And so here's where we landed from the Bible. Worship, which is not only an invitation but a command from God, is the expression—here's the definition— the expression of allegiance, devotion, honor, and reverence to God from the position or posture of a servant or steward. Like we just sang a moment ago, it is not just a song— Worship is not just a service or even a perspective we have. No, life is an expression, an action that flows from your life because of your allegiance, because of your devotion, your love, your honor, respect for God, from the posture or the position of a servant. And this is, this is worship. It's an acknowledgement that you are alive to honor Jesus in all things at all times. There are no secondary sources. There are no hidden compartments for your loyalties. No, the old life is gone. The new has come, so we must leave behind the behaviors and the customs of the world. Why? Why? So we can live true. So we can live true to our confession that Jesus is Lord. We just confess together as we approach the table of God this confession of what we believe to be true. True. The old life is gone, the new has come, and so we must live true to our confession. And this is worship, and where we left off last week with kind of this global perspective and look at the life of devotion to God from the posture of a servant, because he is Lord and we are the stewards. Awesome. Well, as we expand on this understanding and this practice, we're going to take the rest of our month to look at a few key expressions of worship that we see in the scriptures, or maybe better said, we're going to be looking at some ways, or the ways, that God wants to be worshipped. We're going to be looking at the ways God wants to be worshipped, because if He is the Lord, then it's really up to Him how He is worshipped, right? I mean, we can think that we're honoring God with our life, but if He doesn't feel honored with our expressions, then it's not actual worship to Him. And this isn't some weird flex from God. It's just that God as a person, and just remember that for a second, God is a person in three. He is a person, and he's actually quite particular in how he wants us to love him. Which makes sense because we all are particular in how we want to be loved, right? We all have ways we want to be loved and things that honor us and things that don't, words that bring life and words that seem empty. Like, have you ever gotten a gift from someone around the holidays and you open it and you're just like, what, what even is this? Like a cheese of the month catalog? I don't even know what this thing is. <laughs> and, and you're sitting there and you, and, you, and you know you have to say thank you, but there's this moment in you where you're just like, thank you? Like, question mark, thank you? Or, or maybe, like, you go in for a, a job review or someone is trying to, like, encourage you or so, you, know, you meet someone and they're trying to just kind of encourage you or, or give you feedback. But when they do, that, it's, it's obvious that they're, what they're saying is, is actually describing someone, someone else entirely. And so you're in this moment of receiving thinking, man, this person just doesn't know me at all. I think we've all been on the receiving end of a gift or an encouragement or a word that says far more about what the giver likes— or what the giver thinks or the giver cares about than what we do. Well, the same could be said about our worship. Friends, God cares about how you honor him and is clear about what actually does honor him. And we see this description all throughout the text, but specifically in this beautiful passage in Hosea chapter 6 where God is speaking to his people in captivity about what he wants from us, from them In a world that is not their home, just like us, what he wants from us in worship. Check this out. It's written to the Israelites, but written for us today. It says this. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. This is worship. One more time, deep down with a little commentary in there because because it's not quite as cut and dry as it might seem. God is saying, I don't want your sacrifice. I want your love. I want to be your motivation, which leads to a life of sacrifice. It's not just about the sacrifice. It's about what motivates your intentions. He says, I don't want your empty offerings when you're living a life outside of my way. He says, I want you to know me I want you to know me, and this is it, friends. God does not want a generic gift card expression, cheese of the month calendar worship from you. He doesn't want you to go through the motions or just show up to sing words without thinking about what they actually mean. God is not insecure. God does not need to meet a quota. He is not desperate or in need of your songs, your tithe, or your church attendance. God doesn't need anything, He is sufficient. He doesn't need, but he desires. And here's what God desires. In connection to him, God desires your love. He wants your love. He wants to be your motivation, and he wants you to know him, the real him. And allow what you know about him to inspire your life of worship toward him. And that's where our first expression comes in for today. And this is what I want to spend the rest of our time kind of breaking down. That we find the good life of worship when we choose to praise God for who he is. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Or take a picture. Whatever. You find the good life of worship when you choose to praise God for who he is. But what does that mean? All right, what does it mean to praise God, and how can we know we're actually praising him for who he is and not for who we might assume him to be? How can we be sure that we're honoring God in the way that he wants and not just giving him some, you know, generic gift of praise? Well, let's start breaking down the word praise, and then, and then we'll get to who God is. But let's, let's start with praise, because... Much like worship, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you know this word praise is thrown around a lot. It's thrown around a lot, and, and we just sang it, right? Let praise be a weapon that silences you. We praise you, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Right? We sing praise all the time. And we, and we hear it in the scriptures. It's actually, this, this command to praise is in the scriptures more than 250 times. Just like, just in like Hebrews 13, we just heard this, right? It says, therefore, offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. And then our call to worship from Rebecca earlier, Psalm 33. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for, for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies. Sing a new song of praise to him. So it said a lot and assumed a lot, but what is it, what is it actually, what does it mean to praise well, in, in the scriptures, again, specifically Hebrews chapter 13, the English word for praise comes from the Greek word anesis. And you can see this up there. Can you say that with me? Anesis. One more time. Anesis. One of the easier Greek words to pronounce, and I did not stumble today. Praise the Lord. But this definition from the Greek, it, it's simply to mean to speak of the excellence of a person, an object, or event. To praise. Simple right? To speak with words, the excellence of a person, object, or event. So to praise someone is to honor them and celebrate them by saying back to them and to others all the things that make them excellent, all the things they've done that you respect and think are incredible. This is praise. It's opening your mouth to tell another why you think they're great why you think they're great based on what? Your knowledge of them and your experience with them. And what's cool is this means that praise is not something you buy more of, but it grows the more you know. For example, when I, when I first met Rebecca, and just in case you were wondering what a cute couple we were back in 2010. 2010. Do you got a picture up there, Taylor? Look at us. Oh my goodness. So aesthetic. So aesthetic, right? Where's, the, where's Gen Z? Gen, okay, yeah, we're good? Okay. <sighs> A lot less gray, guys, I'll tell you that much. All right, you can clear that. But when I first met her, and, you, um, and I had limited experiences with her. Experience is the key. When I had limited experiences with her, my, my ability to honor her for who she really is, and not just what I saw on the surface, was also limited. I knew that she was beautiful, obviously. I, I knew that she was kind. I knew that she liked weird sci-fi movies and shows about Bigfoot. I knew all of these things. <laughs> she does, you should ask her. <laughs> I knew all these things, but I, but I knew them because of Facebook. I didn't know them firsthand until I experienced them. I didn't have all the moments at the beginning and the memories I would have when we first started our relationship. Does that make sense? Of course it does. And, and, and some of the things I assumed about her early on and that i loved about her honestly and praised her for it turned out to be less than accurate like i remember you know the first couple vacations that we took the christmases we celebrated and the birthdays that we had i mean we went places that i thought she would like i got her gifts that i wanted her to want and affirmed her in things that i assumed to be true about her but there were a number of times that even with my best of intentions Bex, and you know this to be true even with the best of intentions, I totally missed the mark where she had to say, on the other side of my affection, my, my, my affection was genuine. But she had to say, on the other side of my affection, she had to say, listen, David, while well, I'm grateful, that's just not me. That's just not me. But the good news is that, back to praise, okay? The good news is that the more time I spent with her, the more I got to know her and the more I was able to honor her and love her and give her what she what was actually meaningful to her. Is this tracking with you? Because to truly love God and to bring him gifts and to worship him through the expression of praise, to speak of the excellence of who he is, friends, you have to know him. You cannot go through the motions. You cannot make assumptions based on what you want God to be. You can't wing it based on what you think makes sense in your own mind. No, you need to first know who God is and then grow in experience with him if you want your praise to be meaningful. But, Pastor David, oh, this is God we're talking about. How could we possibly know who God is? Well, lucky us. He actually goes to great lengths in the scriptures to show himself, first as Jesus— through his Holy Spirit, but then also he, he tells us who he is directly in this amazing exchange with our good friend Moses in Exodus chapter 34. And why would he do this? Back to Hosea 6 for a second. He tells us who he is because he wants to be loved for who he is. He wants to be loved and he wants to be known. He wants, y- he wants to know you and be known by you so you can love him and praise him for who he is. And this is what we see in Exodus 34. Amazing moment. So here's the scene. So God just rescued Israel from captivity in Egypt. And they were now on their way to the promised land uh, when God decided to establish some house rules for his people. Makes sense also known as the Ten Commandments, or the law. And so he had just finished with Moses, and now here's Moses on the mountain, chiseling away on these stone tablets when it says this in verse 5. It says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, and he called out his own name, Yahweh. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord! The God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. And y'all, this is an unbelievable moment. Where Again, I don't know how long you've been connected to the church, but... Most of the people outside the doors of this building would not associate God with what we just heard God self-identify as. But y'all, this is God revealing himself to the world. He's saying his name, his character, who he really is, what he cares about. Why? So his people might know him and praise him for who he is and who is he. This is so good. He is the Lord. We are the stewards. His name, because he's a person, is Yahweh, God self-identifies as this name, Yahweh. He is a God of compassion and mercy. He is slow to anger and filled with faithfulness and love. He will lavish love on his people in a thousand generations, forgiving their iniquity, their rebellion, and their sin. This is our God, and he reveals himself to us. And what did Moses do in response to this? Look at verse 8 for a second. In response to this moment of experience and knowing God, it says Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. Moses threw himself down, embraced the posture of a servant, and worshipped God for who he was, for what he knew, and what he experienced. Moses offered back all of what he had experienced to God in praise because Moses knew God was worthy. And this is how we praise God for who He is. It's acknowledging with our words and actions from a posture of a servant as we celebrate what we believe and what we think and what we know is excellent about God. Based on what? What we have learned in the scriptures and experienced in His presence. And this is key. Praise that honors God cannot be secondhand, it cannot be generic. It cannot be handed down and it cannot be bought. Praise must be specific. It's not rooted in what we feel, but rather in what He reveals. It is not a script that we follow or a song that we sing, but rather a holistic, outward expression of enthusiasm to God from an inward reality of respect, allegiance, honor. And affection. And this is how we live the good life of worship and praise. This is it. One sentence. We bow low, we look up, and we celebrate what we see. This is a life of praise. We bow low, we look up, and we celebrate what we see. Thank Him for what you know, honor Him with what you experience, and say back to Him what you love most about Him that He is not the often assumed angry tyrant in heaven, or the kind of dopey grandpa in the clouds with the big beard that hugs everyone past the pearly gates. This is not God. But rather, he is who he has revealed himself to be in the scriptures as Jesus and through his spirit, that he is a God of compassion, And mercy, exclamation point. He is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He lavishes unfailing love to not just you, but to a thousand generations and forgives iniquity and rebellion and sin. This is who God is, and so we thank God for it. We say, God, your grace is awesome. This is a life of praise. We say, God, your compassion and your mercy are so incredible. This is a life of praise. We say, God, you are so patient with me. You are filled with such unfailing love for me. And not just me, but for a thousand generations. Thank you, God. God, your forgiveness is so abundant. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. I can't even begin to process how good you are. Still, I want to know more. I want to experience more. And I just can't keep it in any longer. I want everyone to know. And this is the good life of worship. As you praise God for who he is, you bow low, you look up and you celebrate what you see okay so that said why why do you think this is so important to god what makes this part of the good life that God wants for us. I mean, why is it such a big deal for us to know Him and love Him and experience Him? I mean, He's God, right? He is not insecure. He, he could have anything and make whatever He wants to encourage Him, and, and He's already got all of heaven bowing down and worship, saying, Holy, holy, holy. So why does He want us? Our weak little lives, our, our, our fractured, sin filled spirits, like, why does He want us to praise Him? Have you ever wondered? Well, as I was kind of rolling this around, I think that there are a few big reasons, and I just boiled it down to three, that I think help us understand why praise is important beyond just the expectation that he is worthy. And so first, I think that God wants, to praise, wants us to praise him because he knows what's good for us. God knows that our praise opens our eyes to what is good because it opens our eyes to his goodness. Praise also brings us back to alignment with our purpose as stewards. It corrects our posture. Praise humbles us and causes us to bow low, look up, and celebrate that he is God and we are not. And this reorientation of our posture is a very, very good for us, which I know sounds maybe just a little counterculture in our world today, but as enticing as it is to picture ourselves at the top, As enticing as it is to picture ourselves as our own kind of little gods making our way in the world, it's such a gift, friends, to actively remember who we really are as we remember who he is and what he has done. I know it might be fun, but there is nothing worse than living a lie. There's nothing worse than living in a delusion, which is why a life of praise is so good for us, because it reminds us, number two, who we are, who God is, and the second piece— I, I think it reminds us. Let me say that again. Praise reminds us who we are and who God is, and this is good for us. But the second thing is that I think God wants us to praise us because you know how He knows how hard it is for us to remain faithful. And when we choose to praise, when we choose to praise, it focuses our actions and our affection back on our confession. Now, what do I mean? Let me explain. It can be really easy to want to live the good life. We want it all. It's so easy to want the good life, to say that Jesus is king and that you want the easy yoke that he has to offer. It's easy to say Jesus is Lord, but it's a whole lot harder to actually live like it. With all the distractions, both in and around us, mixed with busyness and selfishness and all the lies of the world, it is hard to be faithful. And it's easy to lose focus. Focus of who we're following, focus of what we believe, focus of what we confess. And this is why God wants our praise, because it focuses us. It focuses our lives back to Jesus, that he is Lord and we are the stewards. And that's number two. Third, and lastly, I think that God wants us to praise, and this is the greatest reason, I think, more than anything. It's unbelievable to me. But he wants us to praise because he loves us like a father to a child and wants us to grow up to be like him. So this is number three. Praise matures us. Praise matures us. If you remember back to our talk on stewardship, we, were, we learned that God made us to be like him, to look to him and live like him and and love like him in all things at all times, but we can't do that. We can't mature to be like him unless we first know what he is like. We can't know what he is like unless we choose to praise him because praise keeps our hearts and minds fixed on who he is and what he has done and what he is really like. And this is it at the core. Praise is the practice of coming home. Praise is the practice of coming back to reality and the truth of God. It holds our faith firm because it requires our remembrance. Remembrance of who God is, who we are, and where we belong. It's good for us. Praise, it's good for us. It focuses us, and it matures us, and this is the good life. Who doesn't want to be focused? We all want to be focused. Who doesn't want to be mature in their faith? We all do. This is what praise accomplishes, and that's why we're here. So, back to the beginning here. How can we do this? How can we begin to praise God more with our whole life? How can this become a default posture and practice with all the things that are competing for our attention? How can we get there? I'd like to read this passage one more time from Psalm 111. I think we can learn a lot from this when it comes to a life of praising God for who he is. So just, it'll be on the screen one more time. You can close your eyes, you can read along, you can do whatever you need to receive this from God. It says, praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails he causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him, and always he always remembers his covenant. He has shown great, his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good, and all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity, and this is it. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What an holy, awe-inspiring name he has, Yahweh. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Amen. So how can we become a people of praise? Three quick points before we go, and they all start with T. You're welcome. But they don't all rhyme. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried. I was like, I was like, okay, thank think. think together. No, that doesn't work, so. <laughs> all tease, not all rhyming. I'll work on it for next week. But if you, want to, if you want to grow in praise, and for praise to be your default setting in life, you need to think, you need to thank, and you need to do it together. You need to think about the amazing deeds of the Lord. You need to thank the Lord for what you remember with all your heart, and you need to th- together, meet together as his godly people remember together. So let's start with think real quick. The psalmist says this, Praise the Lord! exclamation point. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. All who delight in him should think about his amazing deeds. Then he goes on to this list, right? We've read it a couple times, but let it sink in. He goes on this list of a whole lot of incredible things that are true about the Lord, things he knows and things he's experienced. He says that everything God does reveals his glory, that his righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works, that God is gracious and merciful. He provides for those who call him Lord, that God always keeps his promises. He's powerful. He's good and trustworthy and just. He paid a ransom for his people and guaranteed their place, our place in his house forever. And we say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And listen, while all these things we read in Psalm 111 are true for us, everything he said, I think that if we were honest today, we, and we really thought about it, we could add to this list. This is not an exhaustive list of who God is and what God has done. Because we have all experienced God, and we all know God in our own way. And so, so the first step is to think. What has God done in you and around you? How has God shown you his love? Who has God been to you, Father, friend, Lord, Savior, think about that for a moment, and then allow what you ponder, allow what you remember and think about to make its way back to him in gratitude. And that's the second piece the psalmist writes. He says, praise the Lord, I will thank the Lord with all of my heart. For what? For all that you ponder, for all that you know, and all that you've experienced, we say, thank you, God. We say, thank you thank you for your goodness and for your kindness and for your faithfulness and your love. And we thank him from a position as a servant, right? We bow low, we look up, and we celebrate what we see. We look up and say, thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for seeing me as more than a slave and more than a sinner. Thank you, God, for being a good father who calls me family. Thank you, God. And we do this. We thank God for all we know and all we think about it. We do it. We do it in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We thank God in, in prayer. We celebrate him in prayer. We, say, we celebrate in the way that we obey his commands, in the songs that we sing, in the way that we live. We think and we thank. This is the progression to praise. We think And then we thank. But for anyone who might still be feeling like, man, I'm still kind of new to this thing, it seems a bit foreign, I don't really understand uh, how this all works. Well, that's where this last piece comes in, together. Because praise is the process of thinking and thanking, but it won't take root in you unless you choose to do it together. Verse one, one more time. Praise the Lord, I will thank the Lord with my heart as I meet with his godly people. Together. Why is it so important to be together? Because following Jesus isn't meant to be just me and Jesus. It's not meant to be my individual faith, but rather my confession. And this is important. My confession joins the faith of a thousand generations across all space and time. Yes, Jesus saved you. Praise the Lord. But he saved you to be y'all. You got that? He saved you to be y'all. He saved you to be together as a family, a people that will help encourage you and model to you and remind you and mature you to be who God is calling you to be. And that's what's so beautiful about praise because, friends, praise is contagious. Have you ever just been around someone that's so optimistic that it's, it's hard to be negative? That's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to praise our way out of frustration, praise our way out of, out of hardship, praise our way out of hurt and pain. And we're supposed to lead others to do the same. Praise is contagious. When we sing or pray or share as we bow down and look up and celebrate what we see, it not only blesses God, it not only blesses you, but it blesses all y'all as we're reminded of what God is and God who it is, right? When you sing, when you sing, it reminds me of my commitment. When you pray, it brings me back to my identity. When we gather together and take on a posture of praise, it gives me the courage to keep going, to follow Jesus into the good life he has set aside. Are you feeling me? Faith is not a solo sport. It's a family that is meant to help carry you and encourage you and hold you to your confession. And this is the process, the progression, and the practice of praise, that we'd think about the Lord, that we'd thank him for who he is and what he's done, but then we'd come back together and we'd celebrate him as one. We'd think, we'd thank, and that we'd come back together to bow low and look up and celebrate all that God has done. As one voice, as one family, together. So let's do it together. Amen? Yeah. I know that life is busy. That tracks. I mean, from leaky roofs to sick kids and all, everything in between. I know that there are all sorts of things that beg for our attention. I know that there are all sorts of things that steal our time. And even more that we give without thinking... But friends, if we're to experience the best life can be this side of heaven, we must embrace the practice of praising God for who he is together. Now, what does this mean? It means being here or being somewhere together. If you don't want to be here, then go somewhere else, but do it together. Praising God for who he is means being here Not to win God's favor or because he needs your church attendance, but rather because we need it. When you're gone, I miss you. And I miss the way that you encourage me in the Lord. When you're gone, we all miss the totality of who we are because everyone is essential here. So God does not need your church attendance, but you do. You need it and you know it because church is good for you. It's one of the few places in your life that you can actually step into this process to think and to thank with other people. I can't imagine um, most of you showing up for work or school like five days a week, eight hours a day, and your teacher, or your boss is like, all right, everybody, it's time to take a break. Let's just take a moment to focus on the Lord. Anybody? Maybe here. <laughs> Tyler, you're like, hey, we do that sometimes here. Okay. Okay. It doesn't happen. 95% of our week. But here it happens every single week. So be here. Make it a priority to be here. As far as it depends on you, come to worship on Sundays. Not to win your place in heaven. It's because you already belong to heaven and you need a weekly reminder. And that's what this is all about. Without it, you're making life so much harder than it needs to be. So what do you say? Here's your weekly challenge. I got no quarter sheet of paper for you today. I'm saving trees this week, I tell you. But here's the challenge. Write this down if you're taking notes. Take the next week, starting here and now, to get back to God in your mind. Look around and acknowledge, wow, God made that. Wow, God did that. Sometimes I just think about, not even just about creation, but all of the systems that hold creation together. Like I think about if I drop this piece of paper, it drops to the ground and God created gravity. I think, wow, God did that. God created color and and art and creativity and formed all of those things together to like make stained glass windows. God created all of these things and we just need to, we need to think about who God is and what God has done and and what God promises to do. And that needs to be brought to the front of our mind again. So challenge first part of the challenge. Think about God and what he has done. And then let your thoughts kind of go global in your life as you and as you think begin to say thanks. Is that that's easy enough, right? And it might I might sound a little weird at first you're like, oh, "God created people's minds to create a wheel so I can ride in this car to work." I know it sounds weird, right? You're like, ah, uh, yeah, but it's true. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so in these moments, as even as you're making your way to work, as you're taking Advil for a headache, whatever it might be, I think it's an opportunity to say, "God, thank you, Thank you for who you are, and thank you for holding the world together." Does that make sense? So it starts by thinking, bring, bringing God back into every thought. God, thank you for marriage, thank you for relationships, thank you for music. God, thank you for all that you've done to create a world that we can be— explore beauty and, like, celebrate, like, all this abundance. Like, thank you for good-tasting food. Like, it sounds, it sounds funny, but it's an all-encompassing worship. And so we think all week—this is the challenge. We think all week, and then we thank God for what we think about. And then here's the challenge. Come back next week to Celebrate. Come back next week to celebrate and to praise God for all that you saw, all that you learned, all that you experienced, and all that you're grateful for. It's up to you to think and thank, but let's celebrate what we know and experience together. Why? One last time. Because this is the good life. It's here, and it's now. It's any time God's people gather to remember and experience and celebrate who God is and what God is doing in our midst with good coffee, good tunes, but even better company. So be here. Church is good for you. It is. And it's essential to a life of praise. Amen? Amen. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'm going to pray, and then we're going we're to hit the road. But I just want to encourage you one more time. Think. Thank. And let's come back next week, and let's praise the heck out of this place. You know what I'm saying? Can we say praise that out of this place? Probably. I'm not going to, but we could. Fran? No. Like the other, never mind. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to hit the road. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever heard? Man, I'm just going now. Here we go. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful that you love us and that you lead us. We're so grateful for the life that you've given us and how you've brought us from death to life into this brand new way of being alive. God, we're so grateful that you are leading us to the good life, the best that life could be the side of, of eternity. And we're just asking that you would give us the courage and the ambition and the focus to really settle in and think about you. To see you in everything, God. And to thank you for all that you've done as we come back. Bow low, look up, and celebrate. So God, we are... We're grateful for the way that you're teaching us and forming us as a church. God, I ask that you would just protect us from all of the counterformation out in the world as we leave these doors, these walls, God, and we're bombarded with all of this other information, all of this other quote-unquote truth that is not truth. God, I ask that you would just protect us from that and that you would keep us focused this week to remember you, to remember who you are, to remember what's true, and to thank you for it. God, let our posture be of praise today, and let our posture be of worship to you in all things, God, because we are alive to honor you. So God, we thank you for today. What a gift it is to be your church and be in this house together. I'm so glad I get to, to be here with all of these other people who confess that you are king God, just give us, give us the, the fortitude to take another step of faith today and to really embrace you for who you are. So God, we love you, and we thank you, and it's in your name, the name Yahweh, that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you feeling okay? All right, so why don't you take like five? First of all, thanks for being here. Love you guys. Take five. We're going to have our preliminary business meeting. Anyone can be a part of it, but members, you need to stick around for a minute, and, uh, and then we're going to get this done quick so you can grab your kids. So if you need a coffee or a bathroom break, go. And if you need to get out of here, go. But otherwise, circle the wagons back here in about five.